Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like for you to turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to be speaking the third part of a series we've been in called The Making of a Leader. And once you're turning there to Genesis chapter 1, I believe it'll be too hard for you to find this passage. <laughs> I want to thank our worship team. They always do a phenomenal job taking us on in. Thank the Lord. I want to speak today on the making of a leader. It has been in my heart. We've talked uh, for two weeks on this. Tonight, I want to emphasize this, born to lead. In fact, everybody say to yourself, I am born to lead. And if I am born to lead, then there is a pattern and someone that I can trace leadership in. And I would say that God is the ultimate leader. Do you agree with that? It all begins with God, the ultimate leader. Genesis is a book of beginnings. When you have your Bible in Genesis 1, let me know you're there by Shouting a big amen like a preacher would. Ooh, I love it. Genesis is a book of beginnings. It is overflowing with leadership lessons. You could stay in the book of Genesis and unearth leadership principle after principle. It profiles some of the greatest leaders that are in the Bible. But everything begins with God, who is the ultimate leader. He is a leader. And so after creating the universe and the planet on which we live, he handed leadership over to humankind. He handed the leadership of the earth over. To humankind. This is why we believe strongly in delegated authority. And on fact, on this side of the cross and on this side of the resurrection, we understand that even the church operates under delegated authority. If you are employed gainfully, there is probably a boss at work who took a chance on you. (laughs) And they have delegated authority to you. Authority to go in and out of the place that you work. Maybe through a key card or a key or a fob or a code. You have been given authority. If you are driving a vehicle, the fact that you have the key to the vehicle means that you are the person in authority to operate the vehicle. Amen. And so when God hands over the leadership of earth to humans, it is somewhat of a scratch-your-head moment. But I want us to read out of Genesis 1, verse 26... And read this particular passage where God hands leadership over. 
And God said, in verse 26, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth up on the earth. So you and I were created to rule. So everybody raise your hand and say this with me. I have been created to rule. Now, Lord, open my ears to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You were created to lead and to rule. But something marred our ability to lead and rule the way that God intended for us to. It's a three-lettered word by the name of sin, S-I-N. Sin mars our ability to lead. However, in the book of Genesis, God introduced the story of God's plan to redeem sinfully independent people from the bondage of their fallen nature. And if you are here tonight and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I give to United Way um, through work. <laughs> That's not going to get you to heaven. We are a people who have a fallen nature. And you find somebody who's hungry that turns hangry, and you will find real quick what area of their life is not sanctified. Isn't it most of history that we see the story of conflict among people who are trying to lead and to rule one another? When I was growing up and we would visit Kentucky to see my family, all of my cousins would play this game called, Are You the Boss of Me? And we would try to boss each other around. Now, I'm not going to ask you to look at anybody or point at anybody who's bossy. But we all know somebody who is just bossy, full of you do this, you do that, do what I say, not what I do. And we used to play this game called, are you the boss of me or am I the boss of you? And if they would say, well, then I'm the boss of you, uh, uh, then you would say back to them, then I'm the boss of you. The game never went anywhere because we were always gridlocked. Gridlocked on who was going to be on what team and who was going to be the captain of the team. We were gridlocked on everything. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how many know engine, engine number nine, going down Chicago? We would do all that kind of stuff. My mother and your mother were hanging up clothes. <laughs> bubble gum, bubble gum in a dish. <laughs> Don't you love what? Yeah. <laughs> I got, some, I got some witnesses. <laughs> History is full of people who have always tried to lead one another and overrule one another and be bossy. And that's why Genesis often gives us accounts of men and women who were trying to sort out how they would lead and how they, who they would follow, when they would obey, who they would rebel against, and whether they had served for God and lived for God or lived for themselves. And because God designed people to lead, to have dominion over the earth, 
we know that we do possess a ruling capability. So say it again, I was born to lead. This is the making of a leader. We possess a ruling capability, and with that capability comes a capacity. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. I have a capacity to lead and a capability to lead. But as sinful beings, we tend to go our own way instead of following God's leadership. Now, Genesis chapter 6 tells us that humankind became so wicked and self-serving, God determined within his own self, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe all these people off the earth, and I'm going to start over. And God flooded the earth. He spared only one family, and that was Noah and his family. And after the flood, people began to repopulate the earth itself, and people learned to cooperate with one another, but they still failed to follow God. Because by the time we get to Genesis chapter 11, we read the story of what is called the Tower of Babel. And in that story, it provides a symbol of mankind's arrogance, of who's going to lead who here. Bless God, there's an arrogance even in the year of 2021 where I'm going to lead myself. I don't need no preacher telling me what to do. I don't need no church telling me what to do. I don't need my spouse telling me what to do. My boss at work, I'm doing them a favor showing up. And the Bible said that they had unity, but it was not a good unity. They had unity, but it was an evil unity. And they had a vision, and they had strong leadership, but they rebelled against God. And they thought that their arrogance, I'm going to build this tower, and we're going to go up and talk to God, and we're going to tell him what, how the cow eats the cabbage. So God confused them. <laughs> he confused their speech. And he inaugurated a new leadership plan for them. And if you remember in Genesis chapter 11, that he divided the people into language groups. Then later he chose one of those groups, the Hebrew people, as his very own, that they would set the example for all others. What if God chose, even through your dysfunctional upbringing or whatever mess you came out of or whatever tribe you belong to. Come on now. If God decided he was going to choose you to be the example, you're going to be the example of how everybody else is supposed to have their life together. Somebody say, uh-oh. So he divides the languages. He selects the Hebrew people. They'll be the example for us here. And then God's leadership of the Hebrews it began just before his eternal covenant with Abram, who had not yet had his name changed, to Abraham. And it continued on down the line, this covenant with the patriarchs. You have Isaac, you have Jacob, on down to Joseph. And so the leadership lessons that they learned fill up the remaining 38 chapters in the book of Genesis. That's why I'm telling you, there is so much meat and potatoes in Genesis alone on leadership. 
So God intended not only for them to remain pure to him, but also to lead the other nations back to God by modeling a lifestyle that would attract followers. So the question I would ask tonight for every leader here, which is anyone breathing, are you modeling a lifestyle that is attracting people to God? In fact, ask your neighbor, but act like you're asking yourself, but you say it loud enough for them to hear it. Are you modeling a lifestyle that is attracting other people to God? Now, God had a role in the book of Genesis. God wanted his creation to begin well. He communicated his vision for the world with Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. He was telling them all the same thing. This is what I want to see happen. And like all good leaders, God, who is the ultimate leader, took initiative and he never forced his leadership on anyone. He just stepped up and started leading. You know, when people say, I want to do something, when I hear people say, I want to do something, I look and see what they're already doing. Well, if you'll give me a, a title... And a key to the van. And introduce me to this and that. Then I'll be faithful. You got it the wrong way, brother. <laughs> you be faithful first. And then your gift makes room for you. And so God takes the initiative. He never forced anyone to follow him in leadership. And each time his people failed... He laid out his plan again. And then he selected those that he thought would take the appropriate action for the assignment at hand. And he pursued them as they relentlessly pursued him. And he maintained a relationship with them. That's why he would introduce himself as the God of Abraham. The God of I. He could name drop. Because he was in relationship. And if you, you know, <laughs> you never find out how many cousins you have until you win the sweepstakes. People naming you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They naming you. But I want you to catch that God had relationship that allowed for the name drop. Now let me give you six lessons in leadership. I got some ground to cover tonight, but I want to give you six things that I jotted down. Number one, that God created mankind to lead and rule, but only within the context of his leadership. He made us to lead and to rule, but it must be done according to his pattern, in the context of how he led. That's the greatest example of anything. How did he lead? Number two, Leaders must learn to adjust their plans while holding tenaciously to the vision. See, when COVID hit, we had to adjust our plans. But we never lost our vision. I never lost my... We never lost our vision even though plans changed. We were doing seating charts. It amazes me the number of people that packed this house out during seating chart time, and now that we don't have a seating reservation, 
People back to their old ways. Come on, smile at somebody. We learn how to adjust our plans. We had to. We'd never, I've never pastored in a pandemic before. It was a curveball to say the least. But we stayed focused on the vision. And thirdly, everyone leads and follows someone. Every one of us are called to lead, but we are all following someone. We have a Paul that, we're, that is a father to us. We have a Barnabas who is a brother to us. We have a Timothy who is a son to us. And we are all processing leadership on multiple levels in multiple seasons of our life. Everyone leads and everyone is following someone. Now, if you out here and you leading, but you're following no one, you're a train wreck getting ready to happen. You got to follow someone. Now, that's another rabbit trail. But number four, no one can lead well without following well. If we're looking for people to serve, we're looking for somebody who can follow well first. If you follow well, it is an indication that you will lead well. Number five, individuals must see the benefits of the vision before they will commit to it. We all know that. I worked in banking for many years, and instead of saying, this is the fee, we would talk about, we would use terms like benefits. We would use the language of how this is going to benefit you. It's going to benefit you for allowing us to deduct $25 a month out of your account because you don't keep a curtain balance. Come on now. You had to learn how to sell and cross-sell products. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because at the end of the day, it depended, that would depend my raise at the end of the year. And so I found out that people respond well to vision and how it benefits them and once you can get people to see how it benefits them and their family, they're more apt to commit to it. And it can be in anything. Number six, to win trust, leaders must exhibit both character and competence. If you want people to trust you, then you have to have character in your leadership. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. And I've said for many years to the team, people that I've had the opportunity to mentor and to come alongside and coach is that if I'm really a good leader to you, you're going to learn from me what to do and what not to do. I'm going to tell stories about me hitting the washing machine and hurting my hand when I lost my temper. I'm going to tell stories of when I didn't get it right. You understand what I'm saying? Because you have to be able to earn trust through character as well as competence. Competence being that you actually know what you're doing. So we understand that people will follow you if you've got character. You may not even have the most talent. You may not be the most eloquent. But if you are a solid person who keeps their word, people will follow. Now, let's talk about this word, initiation. Everybody say initiation. God is the ultimate leader. Not only did he create the universe, he redeemed mankind. He was innovative with the energy that unlike anything we've ever seen before, the Bible teaches us that he takes the lead. God takes the lead. And although that God could have ruled the earth on his own, he chose to include who? Us. Because Genesis 1.26 says he handed over 
dominion to the earth to us that we might have dominion. Come on, somebody. He wanted us to lead. He could have made us lead. He could have told us, you going to lead. <laughs> but he wanted us to want to. He didn't make us because our DNA, he stitched within us a free will. That's why people can do whatever they want. Because we have a free will. And God is not going to make you do right. He's not going to make us line up. He gave us a free will. He's not going to make us serve him. He's not going to make us show up. He wanted us to choose to follow his leadership. And this is the quality of a leader that they will also bring other people with them. That when you are in a place of leadership, you will follow lead and also lead others in and you will be a person that gathers people to go with you into it. I got to brag on Eric and Helen West for a little bit here because it seemed like every Sunday when I see them in the team meeting, they're telling me about these people they invited and these people they invited and this person got saved and this person they've been witnessing to on the job. I'm like, man, that's like oil. and That's like the fire of the Holy Ghost. And so they are leading in the marketplace. They are leading on their job. They may not be up here preaching from the pulpit, but they're preaching nonetheless. God has given them a marketplace ministry. How do I know? Because it's evident. They keep bringing others with them. They're initiators. God is an initiator. He initiated the creation of the world. He initiated the birth of humans. He initiated the redemption process so that one day we would be saved. Now, say it again, born to lead. Let's go back now to Genesis chapter 1. I want to read from 26 to 31. And if you have your Bible, somebody say the B-I-B-L-E is good enough for me. We just taught Liam to sing the B-I-B-L-E. He don't sing it all right, but he's trying. It's cute. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree and that which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Now, I don't have time to go into vegetarian stuff here. Just keep it moving. Verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very what? It was very good. And the evening and the morning 
were the sixth day. So you and I, according to this passage, were born to do what? Lead. <laughs> there it is. Now let me give you a breakdown. Number one, being made in God's image means we were created to lead. If he's a leader and we're created, Brother Tim, in his image, then by being in his creation and after his likeness, then we are also a leader. And God said, let us make man in our own image. <clears throat> in our image, he says, let them have dominion. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, this is verse 26, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. So dominion simply means this. Write it down somewhere in your notes. The power to rule. So if, I, if someone has dominion, they have the power to make decisions. They have the power to lead. They have the power to rule. It's interesting that when we are taught the model prayer to pray, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That when you begin to ask God for his kingdom to come, then you are invoking power, authority, and dominion. You are saying, I want your government to come right here. I want your dominion to come. You have the power to lead this situation in my life. You have been given the same power to have dominion here. And he said, you have the power to rule. Well, what do we have dominion over? Well, according to Genesis, we have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, the earth, and everything that creeps. So you have dominion over fish, fowl, cattle, earth, and creeps. Look at somebody and say, that's you what he's talking about right there. <laughs> I got dominion over the creepers, over the creeps. Anything that's out there creeping around, I got dominion over. See a shadow in your yard? I take the authority over that in Jesus. Who? He says, that we are in his image means we are created to lead because we bear his image. Here's the second thing. He talks about who has this dominion. God commanded both male and female to have dominion. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> so in verse 27, we're talking about this is the beginning of the Bible right here. We ain't even got up in the New Testament. This is the beginning. God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, him, male and female. See, if, if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be there. He made it male and female and created he them. So both men and women have been given the ability and the authority to lead. I'm going to say it again so I get a better amen. Both men and women have the ability and the authority to lead. lead hey, leadership is not gender specific here, we must be careful to recognize the whole canon of Scripture, not just one cultural, contextual passage. Especially in the writings of Brother Paul, if you would understand the context of the cultural issue he was dealing with, he was dealing with problems. These were New Testament people who had no precedence. He was talking to a new church, especially them Corinthians. I mean, that Corinthian church was always, always into something. And he had to address issues scripturally as he could be led, knowing how they were raised culturally. 
So don't you make a doctrine that women can't talk, that kind of stuff. Don't you make a doctrine till you know the contextual, cultural understanding where an issue was being addressed at the time, and that's why we have to be careful to recognize the whole canon of Scripture and the law of first mention. Now, Deborah is the only woman who ever led the Israelite people. She is known as one of their noble leaders out of Judges chapter 4. She was known not only as a noble leader, Deborah was known as a judge. Esther called for a fast in the nation as the queen and saved her people from a Jewish holocaust. Phoebe in Romans 16 is the only one that I found that served as a deacon. Man, I feel somebody getting uncomfortable. This makes me, I think I'm going to stay right here. My point is God told them, not just him, to have dominion. Read your Bible. Pastor Bev and I lead this congregation together. We each have a talent and an ability and a role that complements each other, allowing us to serve here. Here's the third thing I want you to write down. We are the, to rule over the earth, but not necessarily over each other. We rule over the earth, but not necessarily over each other. Verse 28 said, God bless them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we were not directed to rule each other, but we were directed to rule over earth's creatures. And history is largely the story of how men and women have perverted their God-given roles by trying to boss each other around and to rule each other. This is why many times marriages struggle because somebody at the end of the day is going to be the boss in this house. (laughs) So we have to be careful and use caution. Whoa, it's quiet. Especially when we're talking about leadership because obviously the body has to have a head. If it doesn't have a head, it's a headless body. (laughs) But the head directs the body in such a way that there is health to the whole body, including the head. That if the head is leading right, the body will self-heal itself. Sometimes the body, even a church body, can't be healed until infection is purged. Oh, it's quiet. Now, the Bible teaches us protocol. We see it in the Trinity. In 1 John 5 and 7, read your Bible. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. We see it in marriage. Ephesians 5, 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and 7, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers 
be not hindered. You know why sometimes our prayers are not, aren't answered? Because we can't get along in our marriage. We get in everybody's prayer line, pouring a gallon of oil on our head, prophesying, going anybody to give us a word, a popcorn prophecy over at Perkins House of Pancakes and Prophecy after church. I don't care how much oil they pour on your head. You got to get along. You have to submit to one another. <laughs> we see it in church leadership in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. We see it in the, in the home. You have a father, a mother, and you have children. Your children don't usurp authority over the parents. And by the way, let me just tell you, if you're married, your marriage relationship comes before your child's relationship. When the child moves out, it's just going to be you two. What you going to have? We spent all these years making sure Boo Boo got Burger King onion rings and Big Macs at McDonald's in one meal. We're not to rule over each other, but we're to rule with each other in synchronization. We got to be synced together. Number four, all of us are to serve one another in the areas of our gifting and our purpose. And then he describes that in verse 29 and verse 30 that God created everything for a purpose. He mentions the beasts of the earth, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, even the creepers. Even the creepers have a purpose. Everything has a purpose. So our general purpose is to lead, but each of us should ask God, Lord, what's my specific purpose? I'm a, I know my general purpose is to lead because you gave me dominion and authority. Dominion is the power to lead. I have a general purpose, but what's my specific purpose? And this is what I'm hoping in 2022 you will focus on your specific purpose not just the general purpose. But you don't become so occupied and focused on your specific purpose that you forget the general purpose. It's like people saying, well, I'm not going to go to church and hear the word of God and grow, but I'm going to show up when they have uh, me scheduled for the nursery. I'm going to show up when they got me scheduled for Kid City, but I don't go to church any other time. Out of order! <laughs> general purpose and personal purpose have to go hand in hand. Woo, I'm preaching to the choir. Our general purpose is to lead. So I said, God, what is my specific purpose? Herbs have a purpose. Trees have a purpose. Beasts of the earth have a purpose. Fowls of the air have a purpose. And what the Bible says, you and I have a purpose. We lead well when we serve one another with our gift and purpose and this is real leadership, serving. Real leadership is when you serve. Number five, each person's leadership is best exercised in his or her area of giftedness. So my leadership gets the maximum potential when I operate in my individual gift and talent. God saw, verse 31 Everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So when we discover our gifts, we will naturally lead in those areas where we are most productive, we're most intuitive, we're most comfortable, influential, and we're most satisfied. 
when we find our specific purpose and we are in alignment with a general purpose, do you realize, and I'm speaking to myself and to you and anyone that is under the covering of Bethel Family Worship Center, there is favor on this house. I mean there is oil on this house. And it didn't come from me. There is oil on this house. The reason that you are walking in the blessing you are in because you are under a general anointing in this house. You don't even have to know what your specific purpose is. There's a general anointing and favor that is upon you. Now, this is where we miss it. We decide, I'm taking my marbles... And then we get over here, out from underneath the covering, and wonder why we're dry. And wonder why things aren't happening. We have to stay under a general purpose, so our specific purpose will flourish. I don't have time to go into all that. Write this down. Leadership develops daily, not in a day. Leadership develops daily, not in a day. You know, leadership is a lot like investing in the stock market. If you hope to make a fortune in a day, you're doomed. It's the day by day. (laughs) It's over the long haul that matters the most. And if you are continually developing your leadership, letting your assets compound over time, (laughs) the inevitable result is going to be growth in your life. And some people seem to be born with great ability and great talent and they just ooze with it. But I want you to understand that all the skills that you acquire in leadership can all be learned upon and improved upon. So even if you don't weren't born with this gift or born with someone else's talent, you can hone your gift. You can Practice. What did they say practice makes? Perfect. You know how many times I hear that squeaky violin going in our upstairs? AJ and Nina playing that violin. And every time they play it, I'm telling you, I I listened to it all leading up to their fall concert, and I thought, God help me. (laughs) I'm downstairs. There's muffled between the walls. You know what I'm saying? I can't hear what they hear. But when we went to that concert, oh, it was so beautiful. It was sound, oh, it was so wonderful. You have to learn your skill. You have to develop your skill. Even if you weren't born with something, you learn how by watching other people, by getting up underneath someone else. I don't have to be at their house 24-7. I can watch their marriage and see how God wants my marriage to work. I can watch the way they live and carry themselves and how they're not caught up in no loose talk or gossip and that they are faithful. I can watch and observe a lot of things by just Learning from other people and improving, it doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. Leadership develops daily, not in a day. Leadership has many facets. It is involved, I mean, you have respect, you have 
experience, you have emotional strength, you have people skills, discipline, momentum, vision, timing. All of those things are played out in leadership. And that's why leaders require so much seasoning to become effective. You are more seasoned in your 30s than you were in your teens. You are more seasoned in your 60s than you were in your 50s. Why? Because you had to go through something. Why? Because you had some ups and you had some downs. Why? Because you were being seasoned. God was marinating you. There would come a specific moment in time while you've been laying up under this general anointing that God would extract you, bring you off the spice rack, and flavor the world with the specific anointing. I feel like preaching tonight. There's a specific calling on your life, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it happens daily, not in one day. Where do we get this there? Bless God. God called me to preach and next month I'm trying to start a church. The good news is you can grow in your ability to lead. No matter where you start, you can grow. I want to look at the life of Joseph as we conclude here. Look at Joseph. Everybody write Joseph on your paper. Earlier in his life, he was somewhat arrogant. <laughs> Don't get mad at me, but I meet a lot of young people. Have no experience, but they act like they know it all. Well, we had some at camp this year. No experience. But they know it all. And earlier in Joseph's life, he was cocky. Too arrogant for his own good. You know why? He was the teacher's pet. His father favored him. And parents should not favor their children over their other children. It leaves a horrible place. He was the favorite of his father. He got special treatment. No, nowhere in scripture does the Bible mention the other children got a coat. He got a coat that was so loud he had to have a volume knob on it. <laughs> so loud. He, in his youth, he told his dreams and was rebuked because it stirred up jealousy. And have wisdom. Yeah, God may have given you something. Better hold your lips. You better hush. He had to learn how to skillfully work with other people. He lacked experience. He lacked humility. He lacked wisdom. Because those things are only gained by time. The first thing I want you to write down about Joseph is this. I don't know what I don't know. Say that out loud. I don't know what I don't know. We all start out with limited knowledge. Joseph just didn't understand the dynamics of how a family works. He needed discernment on when and how to share his dream. I need to be able to discern, is this the time? On when I can share something. I mean, his brothers already hated him because he was favored. Now they hate him even more because he lacked discernment. He didn't know that he needed it. He's just out there broadcasting, putting everything on blast. 
Leaders have to learn how to develop interpersonal skills when you're working with other people because ignorance can cost you. Being a pastor, I've had to learn that I pastor white folk, black folk, brown folk, red folk, yellow folk, creeps. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I knew that was a great place to insert that. <laughs> I've had, I, I, I pastor people who come from all different backgrounds. And I've got to be very careful what I post because there's a lot of people looking at me. And I've got to be careful what I say from the pulpit. I don't get it right all the time, but you are very merciful to me, and I thank you. But learning, it's a learning curve to learn how to bring everybody along. And I wish I could say I get it right all the time. But this is the grace of God that keeps us. Interpersonal skills help you learn how certain things you should not say and certain things need to be shared at a later time or at a different time. Right? Like you wouldn't walk up to a lady and say, Are you pregnant? <laughs> Ask me how I learned you shouldn't do that. Are you with me? Interpersonal skills, etiquette, things you learn over time. And Joseph at that point in his life could say, I don't know what I don't know. But here's the second thing. I know what I don't know. I know what I don't know. Joseph experienced a life-changing experience that changed the way he looked at life. Anytime you go through a life-changing experience, it will change the way you look at life. He was betrayed by his own brothers. That's a life change. He was in slavery in Egypt. That was a life change. He had lies told against him in Potiphar's house. That was a life change. And he slowly began to learn what he didn't know. Can I tell you, friend, that leadership is difficult and it requires responsibility. And over the years, Joseph suffered betrayal and he learned human lessons about human nature and about relationships and about leadership. Those things he would never have learned if everything had been a rose garden for him. He had to learn what not to do as well as what to do. And that process is what molds your character, which eventually produced in him humility as well as patience. And I would say this, that he eventually realized that God was his source for every blessing in his life and the power that God rose him up to. He had to come to a place where he says, I know what I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like I know everything. I know what I don't know. And what I didn't know was all the stuff that I would go through that would teach me and prepare me. When, when a several, many years ago, uh, a, a betrayal happened in our life and that we just questions, wanted to quit because we thought, is this, if this is ministry, I don't want to do this. 
And someone came to me and said, I promise you, you are going to look back at this and help other people. And at that moment, I said, there ain't no way. Put a fork in me. I'm done. I'm not going to open my heart up to anybody else. I'm not going to take on any more spiritual sons. I'm not going to do any. I am done. I will serve. Yeah, I'll serve the Lord. Yes. But the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. It was time and patience that God gave me wisdom and understanding on the things I didn't know that prepared me and now I'm helping pastors all around the country and in other countries. Why? Because there's something to be said about the anointing you obtain when you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. There's something that comes upon you. You don't learn that at Bible college. You you don't learn that on an online course. You don't learn that by getting somebody's prayer line. You got to walk it out. You got to go through and to learn what you don't know. Yes, he will. Here's the third thing that Joseph could say. I know and grow, and it starts to show. <laughs> Ooh, I love to rhyme. Cameron, I know and grow, and it starts to show. What do I mean? You'll shine. Once you've paid the price for preparation. You will shine once you've paid the price for preparation. When Pharaoh finally called Joseph, Joseph performed with excellence. He walked in there like he was called to the room. And he performed with wisdom. He didn't succeed because he suddenly just got good at age 30. He succeeded because for the last 13 years, he lived through hell. And for those of you that are offended by that, you probably ain't been through it. <laughs> and had to take a licking and, keep, and had to be professional. In a minute, oh, I don't have time to go there. He had, thank you, Pastor. He had to hard win his wisdom and discernment. It was a hard win. Have you ever won something and it was so hard to win it? 13 years of hell on earth. Lies, betrayals, forgetting him. I mean, what is this all? This don't look nothing like my dream. I'm going to get on the internet and blast everybody. No. His hard win came through wisdom and discernment that gave him promotion to the second in command because he knew I know and grow and it starts to show. Which leads me to number four. I simply go because of what I know. During the seven, listen to this, during the seven years of plenty, Joseph executed his leadership plan with great skill. This was when the seven years of plenty were taking place. He developed a masterful plan. He filled the cities of, of Egypt with grain, and he prepared the whole nation for the famine that was coming. Dur Listen, while everybody else was freestyling, calling off to go to King's Island, all this stuff going on, not serving during the pandemic. Smile, I'm trying to get you to Because we all have excuses. This started back in Egypt. Uh, but <laughs> he was filling the grain. He was filling the silo so that there would be the rain of grain in the house. 
because he would have to feed the sons of Rachel and the sons of Leah. I don't have time to go there. He filled the cities of Egypt with grain and prepared his country first for the famine. But it was during the lean years that you really got to see how his leadership grew. Not during the prime hand over fish years, the grains coming in, but the lean years is where you really see all that preparation, Brother Tim, came to surface during the lean years. I don't know who I'm preaching to. It was during the lean years that his leadership showed up. He not only focused on feeding his own people, he was now able to feed the people of other lands as well. And in the process, he brought untold money and livestock and land into Pharaoh. And he also fulfilled the prophecy of his teenage years during the lean times. I simply go because of what I know. How many times have I tried to tell this church, good teaching will keep you. What I learned in Sunday school from my mother, who was my primary teacher, from Sister Mona Perkins, who taught me as a junior, from Sister Julie uh, Cunningham, who taught me as a teenager, from my family, from other people in ministry. What I learned in those spiritual formation years has kept me when everybody else was going AWOL and backslidden and on drugs and in everything and still haven't come to know Christ and they've got all this trail of stuff behind them. I'm telling you, it's the process. Good teaching will keep you. And I want you to write this down. Every leader needs time to develop. But time alone cannot make you an effective leader. You need time to develop, but time alone won't make you effective. Some people never discover how to embrace the process. I've tried to raise up spiritual sons, and there's some that when I've had to correct them, they never could get past that moment. Just because you have time doesn't mean it will work its way through you. You stunt your own growth and remain at phase one all your life. I don't know what I don't know. Is that where you want to stay? The good news is that Joseph didn't stop at the first stage. From the journey from the pit all the way to the palace, he developed as he was going because he was born to lead. And do you know that it took 23 years, Brother Austin, 23 years passed before he reunited with his brothers and saw his vision come to pass. 23 years. It's about as long as we've been pastoring here. Before he ever saw the dream come to pass. But in the end, Joseph realized that God had directed the process. So don't blame God. Thank God. Don't blame your enemy. 
thank your enemy. Don't blame the negative people. Thank them because they pushed you. They propelled you. They catapulted you. They made you keep on going. And by the time that Joseph's father died, he had learned how to see God's perspective in his leadership. God, you are grooming me for something. I feel the Holy Ghost here. This for somebody. God said he is grooming you for something much greater than you could have ever imagined. And that's why you have been fought so hard in your youth. Change your perspective. Thank your enemy. When his brothers thought he would retaliate after 23 years, when they thought he's going to retaliate, he's going to get us back. He's going to let us have it. You know what Joseph said in Genesis 50? Don't be afraid. Am I not in the place of God? Didn't God send me ahead of you to preserve your life? That's a painful lesson to have to admit to when you had to go through something and just question God. If I would have had my way, I would have never gone through that. But who knows if God has sent me ahead to make a way for somebody. What you meant for evil, God turned it for my good to bring it about as it is this day to save much people alive. That was the testimony of Joseph because he was born to lead. And when you are born to lead, you cannot come down off the wall. You've got to work with a tool in your hand and a weapon in the other. And you've got to stay until the wall is built because you were born to lead. You were born to lead. And in the end, he could trace the hand of God over all his life. God was in it. Because God has a long-term plan for his people once he announces dominion in our life. He gave them dominion. Put your hand up on your chest, if you will, and say, he gave me dominion to lead. He gave me the dominion to lead. He called me to lead. <laughs> and it is my responsibility to lead well. Not in a day, but daily. To keep growing. If I stumble, I get back up and keep going. Because my children, my grandchildren, will hear tell of the testimony of the time that God brought me over. That Papa didn't backslide and didn't quit and didn't throw in the towel because times were hard or because his feelings were hurt and his leadership taught him over time you'll heal you'll become stronger more wisdom and discernment will come into your life you'll have more mercy and more grace to offer people because you yourself have experienced the mercy and grace of God Time teaches us this. 
time teaches us this. And I don't know who this is for, but someone in this room or maybe watching, but someone tonight, you've been kicking yourself because you just feel like that you've made a mistake and you've messed up. And how could God, how could God give you another chance? How could God use you? I promise you, I promise you, you're going to look back like I did over these moments of your time in life and you're going to say, God, I see now how your hand helped me through this. That it would become my testimony, not just my money. It would be a test I would prevail in and I would pass the test and I would move on to the next thing. I bind and destroy and rebuke every generational curse that has lingered in your family tree. In Jesus' name, I take authority over it through the blood of Jesus. No weapon formed against you is able to prosper. I command the axe to the root right now where there has been generational dysfunction. I declare that there will be victory in your seed line. I declare that you will walk in powerful plenty, that you will walk in authority, that you will walk with dominion in your foot. Hallelujah! That you will put your head, your foot on the devil's neck and you will claim victory as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I decree every generational curse they may have even skipped a generation but I decree everything must be cut down in Jesus name I cut the head off the devil I take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and I cut the head off the devil and I render him headless he cannot affect my family he cannot affect my seed line. My children will know the power of the Holy Ghost. My grandchildren will know the call of God as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He called the male and the female, and he said, let them have dominion. Upon my handmaidens will I pour out in those days, saith the Lord. I will restore to you the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm have stolen from you, saith God. I will restore life and health and vigor into your bones, your health, your, oh, I feel this, your digestive system and your nervous system is coming back in alignment, says the Lord. I broke the curse. I destroyed the curse off of your life. Come on and praise him in this very moment. In Jesus' name, we rejoice and we thank you, God. Hallelujah. We thank you for being the lifter of our head. We thank you for being our bridge over troubled water, Lord. You're the seed within us, Lord. We call for the harvest now. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, we will walk in the victory that God has prepared for us. God is sending you ahead of your family, sending you ahead of your children. You're going to look back and say, it didn't matter what my grandparents did. It didn't matter what happened in my great-grandparents' time frame. All of that was important. It did affect me. But I am covered by the blood of Jesus, and I take authority over everything that has tried to overthrow me. In Jesus' name, I am the victor and not the victim. I am above and not beneath. Somebody prophesy that. My grandchildren will be full of the Holy Ghost. My children will be full of the Holy Ghost. 
Come on, I want you to raise your hands all over this place and worship God for a few moments. Father, we thank you that you're the leader. You're the ultimate leader. You call us up. You call us to lead. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 